And three, two. Are, are we recording? Yeah. Hi, everybody. It's me, Alec Mappa, and welcome to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. I'm Alec Mappa. I'm an actor, comedian. I live in Hollywood. And I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a psychotherapist and multicultural counselor. And uh, I just got my COVID booster. Hey, how do you feel? <laughs> I was going to say, I just wanted to throw that out there at the yeah, top no, of the how, show. Yeah, no, how does it feel? Because I just got it in, uh, Just in case I'm not 100%. Oh, okay. you got yours last week. How yeah, did you I feel? got it. Um, I felt sleepy. Um, yeah. I, I was fine. And then the next day I was kind of droopy. I was like, yeah, yeah. how do you feel? I'm feeling kind of okay. Maybe yeah. just like a little kind of sleepy, but I've been pretty on it. My doctor told me to take a couple Tylenol every four to six hours, like okay. right after for the next 24. So doing that and uh, yeah, I'm feeling okay. Not how did bad. you feel after the very first one? The very first one I got, I felt really sick. I had COVID about a month before I then got the vaccine. <sighs> That's right. Yeah, you actually had that. it. Yeah, you actually and, had it. And I felt uh, almost like I had COVID again for about 36 hours. It was like oh all the exact same gosh. symptoms, but it was only 36 hours and then went away pretty quickly after that. The second shot, nothing or kind of kind of actually kind of what I'm feeling right now, which is just it's like not really much of anything, just a little tired. And that's about it. After I got the first shot, I had a fitting for a pilot I was doing. Uh huh. And um, I had given them my pre-pandemic sizes. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. I didn't even measure that. I didn't, it didn't even occur to me, like, you've been doing nothing but drinking and eating. And so I rolled in and I was feeling sick. I was feeling like uh, it was yeah. all the way in Culver City and I showed up and I felt like I was just underneath the flu. Right. Yeah. That yes. feeling of like that feeling of like, I'm about to win you. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I went and they tried on the first pair of pants. It was a Tom Brown suit, uh -huh. very chic, could not close it. No, couldn't close it? Couldn't close it, but my belly was hanging over the edge. And then they tried on <laughs> another pair of pants, going a size up, yeah. couldn't close it. Yeah. Tried on another, and, and, and I just ended up feeling like so sad. Oh, yeah. And I, and I was like, it, and I felt like I was about to cry. I was like, I'm so sorry, you guys. These are my pre-pandemic sizes, Ugh. and I've been eating Oreos for a month, you know, <laughs> for 12 months, and I just I felt mean, so horrible. As if, as if just living in a global pandemic and the emotional shit that we're already having to deal with at that point wasn't enough. Then we've got all kinds <laughs> of things like dealing with putting on weight and having to deal with symptoms from a COVID shot. And then... I had just met these people, these designers and everything, and I didn't want them to think that I was delusional. Right. Like I walk around going, I'm a size six, I'm so skinny. And I show up and it's like. Burp, burp, burp. Yeah, I think yeah. everybody gets it. I think everybody yeah. understood. There's a lot of forgiveness <laughs> happening over the it last was, year and a half. It was bad. My point was, it was a very sad drive home. And they saw how upset I was. They were like, it's okay, Alec, oh. it's all right. Everybody, don't worry about it. And I was like. You're not so bad. <laughs> I'm not so <laughs> Bad. Um, we have a great guest today. Yes. <clears throat> Allison Stoner, who uh, started out as a child star, and uh, she's this amazing dancer. Do you remember all the Missy Elliott videos? Yes. That she was in? I remember yes. seeing her and going, oh, this kid is incredible. And now she's working on empowering young people through yes. her spiritual practice and through her yeah. mental health practice. And I love that, too, because we're talking about some of the ways that we are actually healing ourselves. And this is kind of part of the conversation for today is it empowering is. yourself and Healing it yourself. Is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um mind body connection. Yeah. You know, um, I was just feeling bad about my body that day. And I was just kind of, but I think it was also I was sick. Yeah. I was just not feeling well. One time I was getting a massage. 
mm-hmm. for a very good friend who was a shiatsu. He was like mm-hmm. shiatsu student. So he's he's getting at this knot in my back. This is when I was in New York City a while back. Mm-hmm. So um, he gets to this knot in my back and he's pressing on it. And he's pressing on it. He goes, wow. And he says in the most non-judgmental way, mm-hmm. he said, this happened a long time ago. You can let go of this. Yeah. And I cried. Uh, I just went, and then I breathed out and I just started weeping yeah. and then I cried, but it went on for a while and it went on long enough that I was like, I've been holding that this whole time in my body. Yeah. My muscle has been like completely unconscious of me, completely independent of me. Yeah. Has that, anything like that ever happened to you? And what do you have to say about that as a... <laughs> As a professional. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to say? Uh, what do you have to say? Uh, I mean, yes, in a general sense, yes, for sure. I can't think of a specific story like that. But I will say that, yeah, it's really, it has been just kind of through my training and also just living life and kind of, you know, starting to realize these things. It's really, really helpful to realize how much our bodies really do kind of keep so much stress and anxiety in where it does and being able to start to have an awareness of that so that we then can kind of talk to our bodies. Mm-hmm. Like we have, we have a way of, and I think that's probably what this conversation today is going to be kind of centered around about how we can, you know, kind of connect the, the psychological and emotional stuff to actually where we hold that within our bodies. And um, because in doing that, then that gives us kind of like a whole new practice of being able to release some of that stuff. Like you said, even just the kind of but massage I was completely and getting into it. Unconscious of it. And, and he intuitively yes. felt the knot and intuitively felt like it was something I was holding on to. Yeah. Cause I hold on to stuff for a really long time until I process yeah. it and I let it go. But it, it made well, me because we do, we do, yeah, we oh, do, the, we do, we do these things unconsciously, you know, and when you think about it, some of this stuff is, it does make sense when you actually break it down because when we're stressed, our bodies, you know, almost in survival mode, just kind of activate certain things like our heart rates increase and mm. our, you know, our breathing becomes kind of far more shallow and adrenaline. You know, adrenaline. Yeah, and, we go, and we, we become, get into a survival mode. Exactly. And so we become like tight in our chest, we become tight in our abdomens and like all this stuff is really to kind of protect our organs inside. So mm. there are all these really kind of just like basic physiological kind of primal ways that our body takes care is, is meant to take care of itself, but in a survival way. And at times when we're not, our physical selves aren't even actually threatened. So when we're aware of that, then we have the chance of kind of breathing into some of these areas or, you know, kind of relaxing very consciously and mindfully relaxing some parts of these bodies in a way that's not just kind of like, oh, relax, but it's in a way to communicate to our body like, hey, we're okay. We're actually fine. We're not not threatened in the way that it might feel like we are. Right. Yeah. I get, I don't get nervous at auditions, but what I get nervous sometimes is that, and, and I haven't been to an audition in two years in person. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. But how it usually works is sometimes you'll go to an office building and then you'll see everybody who's up for the part in the waiting room. Right. And that makes me crazy. Yeah, because then it's all the compare and despair. I don't want to see anybody. And, and, then, <laughs> and then I see some really terrific people, you yeah. know, some really th- And then I have to like calm myself down and go, okay, they, they're not going to bring in the criminally insane persona that you do into this room. So just <laughs> kind of concentrate <laughs> on that. Well, check it. Yeah, but checking in on the stories that you're telling yourself, right? Because if you're not paying attention to that, it's easy then to it's, just Then spin. you're out of control. You're not going to do you're it. You're out of control. Job. You spin about all the things that 
you think I don't know? I do get performance anxiety. And with some of the with some of the simplest things like this past weekend, I actually had a Friendsgiving with mm. like with a, a good amount. There's maybe like 12 of us or so. Ooh, I, nice. do, I do it every year. We rent a nice house on the lake in Big Bear. Beautiful. And we just like go full out with like, you yeah. know, kind of Thanksgiving style dinner, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and at dinner, I usually give like a speech, like, this is why I love you guys. And you, so you give, you're the tradition speech is you. I, yes. Yes. And for some reason, I don't know why, cause I do it every <laughs> year. For some reason this year, I kind of like choked and I just didn't, I was like, I love you guys for all the good things. And also for all the things that are challenging for me. And I saw everybody's eyes just start getting nervous for me. And I was like, happy Friendsgiving. And I just like wrapped it up. <laughs> I was so nervous. And then everybody at the table was like, she's drunk. It just kind of like... <laughs> I wasn't even that drunk, but yeah. Did you not have a speech prepared? I, I kind of like... did. I had a sense of what I wanted to say, but I don't know. I I just, I became literally self-conscious because I started mm-hmm. looking around and like nobody, it didn't seem like anybody was tracking with what I was saying. And then I'm trying to think about what <laughs> I say I'm not establishing next. rapport with anybody. This is, <laughs> this is bom- I'm bombing up here. <laughs> Anyways, so and that you was know, in a room full of people that love you, that love me, that I know. Like, it, there's no rational sense for it other than I had just become nervous that all of a sudden I was showing something that was inadequate about okay. me, and people weren't going to love me, like all that bullshit, you know. Mm. So, but what I will say is, even if in the moment you can't, you know, rewrite these narratives for yourselves <laughs> or kind of talk yourself off that ledge, in the aftermath, I was very much like it's okay to stumble. <laughs> it's okay. Like you weren't perfect. You didn't, you didn't land that one. People weren't like weeping. I'm not so bad. I'm not so bad. It's and did okay. you make your charcuterie board? Did you make I it? I did. Oh my God. I made my charcuterie board. This is not And it was beautiful. Story. I bet it was absolutely beautiful. Okay. So we have this beautiful house on the lake. That's like, we've got our own private dock. Like it was nice. And yeah. I made this massive charcuterie board. I pride myself in this freaking charcuterie board. We went down to the lake, set it all up. Everybody's having a great time. We're having some wine. We're eating the charcuterie board. And I'm like seeing ducks that are kind of like not really too close. So, but they're like kind of like close enough that I start like throwing crackers because I want to get them in part of the moment. Right. And at one point I kind of am like running to the end of the dock to like, kind of like really throw some crackers to get mm-hmm. these ducks in the moment. And mm-hmm. I fully fell into the lake. I are just actually plummeted. You ran off a pier into the yes. lake. I started running and I didn't realize how wobbly it was going to be. And I also had a couple glasses of wine in me. And then we just toppled. We, me, I just toppled into the lake. I'm, and it you was one of those You didn't take anybody moments. with you? No, it was just me. Cause it was towards the other end of the day. I think and, you were drunk. You were like, oh ducks, my God. I want ducks I to be wasn't, a part of this I was moment. not crazy. I was not crazy drunk. I literally had a couple glasses of wine in me, but I started running and it was kind of like a part <laughs> where it was just like a little extension off of it. So it was kind of a small, and it wobbled in a way that I was not prepared for. And I had that moment where I was like, we're going in the water. We're going in the water now. Okay, let's take a swim. And I like fell right into the lake. And then I was immediately like, get my phone out. <laughs> Give me a bowl of rice. That's what, that's what you're all thinking. You're thinking about the phone, just oh about the phone. Was it phone deep? Out. Was it freezing? Was it? It was, it happened so quickly and I was in so much shock. I don't really remember, but it, but it was cold. Oh I'm pretty God. sure. And anyway. Did, did anybody get, capture that moment? That we, we, like... we, had a, we had a few pictures. There's a few pictures. So oh, I want to see pictures you have, but nobody <laughs> captured the actual moment where you like totally no, not ran that, into not the water. That. But the point is, is that we can make all kinds of mistakes and still learn how to communicate with our body and heal ourselves. (laughs) 
I love Whoa. you so much for sharing that story. <laughs> um, you know, that was vulnerable. That was authentic. <laughs> and I think that you've really opened up a space for our wonderful talk with today's yeah. guest, Allison Stoner. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. And we'll be talking with her immediately after these important messages. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm really looking forward to talking to our guest today. She's an author, multidisciplinary artist, and global speaker. You may remember her as the seven-year-old dancer in Missy Elliott's music video, of course. She also performed in more than 200 films, TV shows, and tours, including Disney Channel's Camp Rock and Phineas and Ferb, and film franchises Step Up and Cheaper by the Dozen. Since that time, she has co-founded Movement Genius, which is a digital studio using movement to improve mental and emotional health. She also just released her ebook, Mind Body Movement, which helps you reconnect with your body, improve relationships, and uncover the habits that are keeping you stuck. Welcome to the show, Allison Stoner. Yay! Yay. Yay. Welcome, Yay. welcome, Thanks welcome. So when was the last time you fell into a lake in front of people? <laughs> Well, it reminded me, I'm from Ohio and oh. we lived on a lake. Oh. And when you described the ducks, I was thinking of the geese that yeah. used to try and tango with all of us during our <laughs> social gatherings. Mm. And I had to be three years old, but I don't have a, a story of falling into the lake. However, I do have a story of trying to go fishing with a friend and she had never been fishing before. And so she drew back the line Mm -hmm. with me behind her directly and the hook went (gasps) into my neck (gasps) and stayed there. And she was like, why isn't this releasing? (laughs) (laughs) Like, why can't I cast the fishing line? I got a big one. (laughs) Much heavier than the average yeah. And <laughs> thankfully, my great uncle was out there and was like, hold on. There's, you know, that oh, barb. So, oh, those oh. fish hooks are barbed. I remember oh, from fishing man. as a kid in San Francisco, there's it a barb like two hooks. for one. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. How painful. Literal well, that's bait. A, that's about all yeah. we have time for. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Allison, that started my journey. Of healing. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you grew up in Ohio, and I always think about you because my first experience of you is as a kid star in the Missy Elliott videos mm-hmm. and in the, you, the Cheaper by the Dozen, uh, which mm-hmm. I watched because I was obsessed with Tom Welling. Who? Oh, of course. I mean, come on. Um, do you know who that is, Matthew? I don't know. He starred in Smallville on the CW. Oh, which literally landed. Wait. Play, did he play Clark Kent? He played Clark yes. Kent. Oh, my And God. I remember, like, uh, it was like the, the poster was yes. um, of him tied to the corn stalks yes. out. And it yes. was just like, yes. oh, my God, what's happening? Oh, so I, I yeah. know you from that. So 
back to Allison because she's our guest. She I mean, I have a Tom about, Welling story if you yeah, want that as well. I do want to hear I that. I do want that so story. How does, how, how does your childhood in Ohio get you into this crazy universe that is show business? Tell us sure. about how that tracked. Yes. So I started dancing at three years old just as a hobby. I don't know at three how conscious you are of the decisions you're making with mm-hmm. recreational activities. And then I, around six or seven, was invited to join this modeling studio, just kind of um, a way for young people to express themselves. But they would take annual trips to these large conventions in New York. And people have heard of a lot of the different conventions being scams. But this one called IMTA, it was not a scam. It was so legitimate that it changed my entire life. Um, And I was auditioning in front of different casting directors, agents, Mm -hmm. managers, learning the ins and outs. And it was meant to be just, you know, one single experience. And yeah, instead, intro to showbiz 101, kind of like, I'm just going to make mm. the rounds and have this experience and go back home and say, show business. Hmm. Yeah, right. And we, <laughs> yeah. we loved performing. My sister and I both loved dancing. So we weren't looking at it as a career move. Again, I was six and seven years old at the mm. time. And instead, um, the feedback was so strong that they really encouraged us. And now we know it's a bit of a pipeline to move to LA, try Mm. pilot season, if people are unaware, when new shows are trying to get on their feet. And you go through all these different rounds of auditions, if you're fortunate enough Mm -hmm. to get any auditions. And I experienced a lot of beginner's luck, you could call it. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you could say my teachers were really wonderful. Or you could give yourself a little bit of credit out <laughs> yeah, and yeah, say, yeah. perhaps you did have a knack yeah, for this. Exactly. And so I ended up booking three pilots in the first year, yeah. as well as a bunch of other work. And wow, while that great. was, and so that's the initial response, right? Is, okay. Wow, that's incredible. But what we don't think about is what is that doing to a young person's body and uh-huh. development when uh-huh. they're pulled out of routine and social settings and yes. school and they're in this adult world with adult responsibilities mm-hmm. and where even, adults are deferring to you and you're right. feeling valued because of what you're doing yes. i mean that's a that is a, a a difficult thing for adults to manage yes and i always wonder like how kids survive that you know, how kids survive kind of like you're getting that goodie and that, yeah. that esteem and that praise at six or seven. And mm-hmm. as you said, you don't really know how to process that. Yeah. It's some of the most formidable years of your life. So how much that really gets, you know, imprinted on you. Right. And I think it's completely understandable that if it wasn't in the industry, this might happen academically. It could happen right. with sure. sports. It could happen with just family roles that you Um, you know, are kind of projected onto you or assumed that you will fulfill. And at some point, you cling to it so much that that's all you know as your concept of the world. And so for a lot of young talent, there's that barrier to entry for adult I don't want to say adult entertainment, but you know what I mean? Working as <laughs> I don't adult. know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah, right. in, in the industry. Yes. And so um, making the transition into being a, 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 an adult. Yeah, there's quite a narrative around Mm -hmm. young talent. There's an expectation that most of us will fall off the map or lose momentum or not be able to make that transition. Or people glue you to what they know of you and they start to summarize who you are based on your previous roles when 
you're a full human. And again, yeah. this doesn't have to just be me and entertainment. This can be whatever you were really great at as a kid. Yeah. And then you want to try something new. And someone says, that's not who you are. I, I know. know who you are. And they glue you to history. Do you, do you remember feeling that like as a young person, you know, kind of like in the entertainment industry, did you remember feeling those expectations or what you thought other people's limitations were on you even at that time at that age? Oh, absolutely. Because Again, I was quite fortunate to have this sort of three-pronged career where on the one hand, I had um, dance and I was, Mm -hmm. you know, performing with these established rappers and hip-hop artists, which was already very unconventional as like Mm -hmm. a little white pipsqueak. Um, But it it was a beautiful way of showcasing what it was like for me to understand different culture, to understand different music genres, Mm -hmm. to understand different legacies and and be in different spaces that I'm frankly a visitor in. I didn't grow up in the neighborhoods with Missy. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that. That must've been really informative for you to be a a white girl in a a space with black entertainers and to Mm -hmm. have that experience. Um, my, My question is, is um oh and and I I was thinking about like what you said Matthew the the change people put limitations on people who are child mm-hmm. stars that's why so many Disney channels their uh, stars their exit strategy is I'm gonna play a hooker or a serial killer to like exactly. change everybody's mind now where what frame of mind I I'm always worried about like you know whenever I did a sitcom and we had kid child stars when the kids were great it's because the parents were great. And when the Mm. kids were awful, Mm -hmm. the parents were awful. So where were your parents in this? Where were they? I mean, walk us through who your parents were, the type of people they were in order to take you to New York when you're six years old or to put you in this position when you're so young. Yes. So I'm so glad you brought that up because it's easy, I think, for people to demonize the parents Mm -hmm. and to Mm -hmm. say, why would you subject your child to something? Mm -hmm. But what is hard to explain is that once you're on the hamster wheel in entertainment, things are happening so last minute and so unexpectedly, and you don't have any tools in advance to know what to anticipate, Mm. that a lot of times you're just playing catch up and suddenly it's oh, you have this huge audition. This could make or break your child's career. Can you just pull them out of school for today and today only? And then tomorrow, oh, you got a callback. So now suddenly the entertainment industry is causing you to reshape and remold in a way Mm. that I think both the parent and the child lose a sense of autonomy and it can feel disempowering the way it's structured. You, when you have an agent and manager and you're new to the industry, a lot of times you think I'm, I'm earning their attention. I have to prove myself so that they'll submit me. When in reality, once you're a little bit more established, you realize, oh, I guess these folks actually work for and or with me to mm-hmm. amplify this, you know, lane that we're trying to carve. And so my mother was an executive meeting planner, oh, okay. which made her wonderful at staying organized and staying on track and getting everywhere on time. And I couldn't be more grateful for that. Yeah. You want somebody in charge who has that executive ability to kind of, there's a lot of organizing things to take care of. And yeah. yeah. And from what I, my subjective experience of my mother being on set with me was that she was not a stage mom. Okay. Um, she was very, very clear about making sure I showed respect to every single crew member. I knew, nice. I knew everyone's name on every set. I also knew everyone else's lines because we were overprepared all the time. Mm-hmm. And in so many ways, I'm really grateful for that. Um, but what I will say is 
I don't think she, no, the average parent is not versed in the mind-body connection at different stages of childhood Mm -hmm. development. And so so, small things were actually big moments for me in terms of that particular audition. Perhaps I came out and it was a really emotional scene and maybe I did a quote unquote good job, Uh but it's a strange thing psychologically when you're rewarded for channeling that negative or difficult emotion Mm. and you start coupling these experiences of, okay, I'm digging into something traumatic or sad. And then I did a good job and now I booked the role and now I have a livelihood because I can do this. Yeah. And it creates this weird matrix. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But the average parent is, you know, just wanting to support and, and encourage. And also, you know, she was very protective. We didn't go out on certain auditions that contain certain kinds of content, Mm -hmm. but even in the room, the parent is not in the room when a director or a casting director is going, okay, let's take a little bit deeper. What if? And you experiment, right? Was was that anything like, you know, the way that you're talking about it now is so lovely and understanding and accepting and kind of like requires the faculties of like an adult to be able to achieve that mm -hmm. kind of understanding. This sounds like something you processed already. Was there a period where, you know, you felt resentful or, you know, kind of upset with your your mom or your parents because of things? Well, I want to pause for a second and just tell you and show you I'm holding my right thumb which is something I only do when I'm like slightly uncomfortable and vulnerable which is really lovely I'm glad to be sharing this with you and normally I don't talk this candidly in this way about these things Uh, so I'm I I actually love this moment. I just wanted to name that. I have this okay. from back when I used to suck my thumb as a, a baby. Oh, I still wow. do this. Anyways, so just recognizing our habits. making Is that, that, is that okay? Is that okay to yeah, this, have this yeah, conversation? Totally. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, totally. only if you're comfortable. We are all about like agency and creating yes. a safe space, but we're really never going to go. Your most oh, yes. painful childhood memory, go. No, like, no, that's no. not going to yeah. happen. And I wouldn't offer you that anyway. I okay. thankfully have Good. boundaries and know my edges. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it, yeah, there's just a little bit more sentimentality to, to this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so when it comes to having resentment for my parents, um, I will be completely transparent because I feel that I've been more conditioned to not speak ill of anyone else or to Mm. assume the responsibility, it's actually been difficult for me to accept that there are some things that maybe didn't go as planned or Mm -hmm. as uh, that weren't very healthy for a young person, whether my parents meant to do that or not. It's still a process for me, even as an adult to accept that, yeah, if I have some anger around this, um, there's an, another opportunity for healing. But in order to do that, I do have to let some of that surface and, mm-hmm. and face it. Uh-huh. Um, That's and what bring the show's about. It's like it. the yeah. minute you decide to get well, it's not yeah. like pink paint gets poured over everything. It's a hot mess fading yeah. <laughs> through the stuff. And as a parent, yeah. I mean, my husband and I have been parents for a good 11 years. We adopted our foster kid when he was five. And as a parent, we don't wake up in the morning and say, how am I going to fuck up my kid? Yeah. We are literally doing the best we can at all times. And at the end of the day, I, I, I look over things and I go, okay, I wasn't 100% there. I wasn't, I didn't do that as well as I could have, but yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a weird thing for me to be in this position 
you yeah. know, but like as an adult processing my adult, my adult view of my parents and being a parent myself has given me a big space for forgiveness. Yeah. Get a lot of compassion. And I also, I also like what you're, what you're kind of starting to talk about now, which is allowing yourself to kind of like have some of these feelings come up. Like we're kind of taught, like, don't be angry. You have to be forgiving or be understanding like that kind of, you know, like wholesome, you know, shit. But mm -hmm. uh, like, I remember there was a time when I was in a relationship for about three years. And at the end of it, the guy that I was dating out of his own kind of anger and resentment had like, kind of you know, like, you know, kind of like kept a lot of like furniture and money that we were supposed to be splitting. And so mm -hmm. I was really pissed off. But I remember in the moment being like, Nope, I'm not getting mad. I'm not going to get mad. That's his bad energy. And I was talking to my friend about it trying to be all cool about it. Like I was so evolved. And he was like, you can be mad for a little bit. Like you mm -hmm. got to let some of that emotion come out. And I did. And I'm glad I did. Cause otherwise that shit gets stored in us and really toxic. I know. And especially right. with the performer where the demands are on you as a kid to just kind of be on and ready and pleasant right. and everything. So, so having, pleasant. Yes. And yes. having boundaries and having thoughts that are that that kind of deviate from that would did that seem radical to you? Did that seem like a very big oh, deal? Absolutely. And mm. and in my hardwiring is a perfectionist, yeah. overachiever, yeah. and so I was really great at stifling anything that was counter to being pleasant. And You're a gay course, guy. You're a gay right. man. <laughs> There's also like, that's us. Yeah. There's like very real <laughs> consequences for an entertainer who decides to be a full human in their mm. full dimension, multidimensionality. If you go to the store and someone recognizes you and you're not having a pleasant moment, yes. then that carries into tabloids or, you know, negative reputation. And then maybe you'll get blacklisted from this because you weren't perfectly pleasant in that moment on set or whatever. So it's, mm -hmm. it, yeah. you really do become this kind of, oh, sorry, I became this very narrow version of myself. Mm. And I think now what, what I learned when I began healing was that in order to allow some of these things to surface, I also am going to have to need tools or something mm -hmm. that helps me manage the discomfort. Otherwise I'll never want to do this work because right. if I can't handle the discomfort and I don't have any tolerance or resilience in that mess, yeah. then I'm going to be like, I'm going to feel like I've completely come undone. I might spiral. I might cling even more deeply to my coping mechanisms, uh -huh. you uh -huh. know? So I think a part of the transition for me toward healing and self-empowerment was how can I first learn some skills to just tolerate the, the uncomfortable sensations in my body that I have been completely ignoring or stuffing yeah. down for years. Do you mind Was if that... I ask? Oh, sorry. Do you, uh, do you, cause you speak so articulately about this. Sorry, Matthew. Mm -hmm. I just butted in. You, how do you, do you mind sharing how old you were when you're arriving at this understanding and what, what was happening that made you want to seek out this kind of healing? Yeah. <laughs> was it, rehab on mm, bed rest mm, or was it mm. <laughs> um, was it when you so, were in solitary confinement right. at Rikers <laughs> no. <laughs> no that I, was me which and I was like I would never allow myself to do that I would actually mm. only become an even more picturesque role right. model like uh -huh. no yeah. one would ever see my mess right we get so, it we get perfectionism it. disease yeah. to please, you totally get it that. yeah you totally get it yeah so um I will say I know that I started asking 
maybe larger life questions and identity questions at younger ages, um, just because of my lived experience. And around 13, I recognized, okay, I've got chaos inside my body. I've got chaos inside my household. I have Mm -hmm. chaos in the industry. What's going to be my anchor? And what I chose at that time Hmm. was to join a friend's church, which I do have to say gave such a foundation that I had never had and served a very meaningful developmental purpose. I learned about community. Mm -hmm. I learned about trust, intimacy in different ways. Of course, as that evolved, I've evolved. Things have been deconstructed, reconstructed, expanded, and all of that. But around 13, in tandem with that sort of deeper seeking, I also had an eating disorder that was Mm. starting to pick up. Uh And I remember seeing the paradox of that, right? I was like, on the one hand, this community is saying, come as you are, and we accept you and we love you. And on the other hand, I am like such a self-punishing, like, Mm. you know, self-critical human who can't seem to be enough no matter Mm -hmm. what I do. And so Mm -hmm. my body was this tool or this project. And I was just trying to fix it or perfect Mm -hmm. it, but Mm. I wasn't listening to it. In fact, from 13 to 18, I would say my, my eating disorder was ramping up and continuing to kind of become almost a core part of my identity if I didn't do something about it. Mm. And yet I wasn't able to really feel anything going on in my body. Mm -hmm. So that's the irony when people say, you know, wow, as a dancer and as an actor, you must be so in tune with your emotions. And I was actually diagnosed with alexithymia, which literally means the the inability to name or sense what's going on in your body. So I was numb, so Mm -hmm. numb. And yet from the outside in, you know, tours, films, like could cry on cue. So it looked like I was in tune with my emotions. But at 18, that's when I, or sorry, 17, right before my 18th birthday, I'll share this transparently. I was auditioning for the hunger games Mm. and that was one project that I really, I put more and I invested way more of myself and really put myself in a risky emotional and psychological place because I wanted to be willing to go there, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes people praise you for being outrageous with how far you'll strive. Yeah. Sure. And, and so I started training and by default of the character breakdown, she's in the books, you know, it hints to her being emaciated or underweight or quite, you know, Uh, strong, but frail at the same uh time. Cause so I, my, my weight continued to drop my psyche, everything just started to collapse. And I went, okay, I have to get help and I can't get myself out of this, nor will the people around me in the industry really care because I'm not the smallest person in the room, unfortunately. And so I had to voluntarily admit myself to rehab. And I did it when one of my co-stars was also going to rehab for other issues. And so I kind of did it privately. I was like, Mm -hmm. I just want to, I really want to heal. And I know that if I try to talk about this right away publicly, it's not going to give me permission to like, yeah. yeah, You're not there yet. You can't talk about it while you're going through it. Yes. And even like giving advice or, you know, because people are so quick 
like reporters or fans or the public are like, tell us about everything you learned. And you're like, I'm integrating this experience right now. I don't know. I've only been on bed rest and trying to get help for like a couple of months. Mm. That's kind of, that's kind of remarkable that at, that at that moment, um, not only were you actually able to, at you know, inevitably check in with yourself and and notice what was going on, and that there was something that was even out of your control, but that you also sought out, even if it was privately, that you sought out the kind of support. That's to be miraculous. Able to start. Yeah, truly. that's miraculous. Well, and I I will say I around maybe fifteen or sixteen, I was already trying to help myself. I w- mm. it was a a constant inner battle because I was you know driven by these expectations and. And, you know, all of these habits that were starting to kind of run my life, right? I was running on the treadmill. The treadmill was running me. Mm -hmm. And, and, and at the same time, I really was like, how can I get out of this? I I want to feel free. And instead I feel chained to these Mm. habits and beliefs. And so I really tried, but I recognized I could not. Do you needed, it on you needed my own. help when you I said that professional help. When yeah. you said the diagnosis of alexithemia, and you said that you had the inability to name what you were going through, mm-hmm. what how I heard that was, you're re- It's it, it sounds as if it sounds to me as if you are really good at the outside stuff, you know, because that's totally. what was demanded of you. Yeah. But there was a real disconnect to what was happening inside of you. So it's kind of like, you know, because I, I was um, doing fasting and, and cleanses all the time. And I was starting to get a little um, anorexic. My husband made me stop doing it because when I wasn't eating, I felt like I was in control. Yeah, I felt like I had power. I was like, I have a 26 inch waist. Mm -hmm. I'm so skinny. Mm -hmm. I don't need food. So it kind of like I, I under it. And that was the very first time I got the rush of an eating disorder. Why? Because I was like, I'm starving all the time how could anybody do that and it's really about trying to take control yeah but it sounds like you know when this is but then all of a sudden that starts to take over the outside right, the stuff thing you're trying to control ends up controlling you ends yeah. up controlling yeah. you and yeah. that's such a that's such an intense journey for anybody i think that's right. such a great distinction alec too about how and i think any of us can kind of relate to that too on some level that when you kind of like have a rush like your ego is really kind of like telling you you're like you're better than mm-hmm. and you have the rush of that like i have control over you know these things we can feel like that that's power and that's not power right we can, right. can we can conflate that rush with power and of course that's not because nobody's right. empowering a kid on the set going how are you feeling do you feel like doing this today What's going on with you? Are you yeah. tired? Did right. you get enough to right. eat? It's just about go. Yeah, work, do it. Perform. So, um, so you have this alexithemia. You can't name anything that's happening with you. What did you have an experience where it was like all of a sudden you were able to identify? Like, no. oh, this is this is. I mean, where are you now with this? Yeah. yeah so, honestly, if I had one of those revelatory moments where suddenly I could feel I would be so traumatized by the amount of sensation. I would be Mm. so overwhelmed and I would turn back off. Right. So I, this was like years of therapy sessions where like, she is such a gift. My therapist who I've been Mm. with for a long, long time, um, she would invite me to just notice what was happening in my body as I described mm. something. And when I tell you, I went 
years Mm -hmm. without being able to answer her question, I would get so frustrated because there was also a sense of, oh no, does this remind me of the audition room when they want me to channel a different emotion? Oh, like it, was it performative? Is this performative? performative. Is this like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I ended up having to kind of take what she was asking and then finally, slowly, but surely practice for 30 seconds. And when I mean not a full minute, just 30 seconds at a time, tuning in on my own in my own, whatever safe place that was for me, it was often my car because that's ironically the most stable thing in my life. I was moving all the time, changing, you know, community and projects, but the car was -hmm. like a safe place. So I would just sit there and let something bubble up. And then I would also have to build trust with myself to say, okay, that's enough. That's all I can handle right now. Because a part of feeling into things and beginning to understand is also recognizing your capacity in that moment. Yeah, Like I can't dig forevermore into my sensations. I will reach my threshold and it will end up in me overreacting the other way, right? That's my response. So I had to like painstakingly like one day at a time. And I mean, I literally wrote on multiple cards one day at a time, one hour at a time, one moment at a time, and just repeated that to myself, especially coming out of rehab where you're like, okay, I've learned some skills, but now I have to apply them on my own. And Mm, Uh there's temptation or urges, or I still have the thoughts. What do I do with them? Like you have to do it one one little moment at a time and recognize that you're not always going to consistently choose the thing that's the best, healthiest, most life-giving decision, but you just start to practice it and you learn to be very kind to yourself and just say, okay, I've got to be an ally to myself in my own transformation here. Mm -hmm. Because not many people can dig deep into your psyche and in your heart space and be like, we totally get it. You can do it in this really, you know, complicated moment. It's like, you got to really learn how to build that, that inner voice of support. Yeah. We, um, right. we talk, we talk often on this show about reparenting. Um, yes. And this is, this is kind of what we're talking about right now too. And it makes yeah. sense that for all of us, you know, there's no way that our parents are ever going to be able to know every specific thing for us. So we we're mm-hmm. always going to have to kind of fill in the gaps and specifically with the experience that you had, it's like, was your mom a child performer? You know, like how would she know what an experience like that is? So really having to then, you know, kind of find these new tools as, you know, we're talking about finding these new tools and then being able to apply them for yourself and also giving yourself the the space and the compassion and the patience and the forgiveness when, you know, as you're moving through that in a really kind of messy way and allowing yourself to re-regulate your emotional process. The forgiveness the forgiveness. I mean, it's just, that is just, I love that word. It just, it sounds like to me though, that like now in the space you're in now, just from talking to you, you, you know, all of it, like you're, you're know all of it. And it's no, it's no surprise to me that you're now sharing this Mm -hmm. in your ebook online, which you'll have to tell us about again. Uh, But I love, I love the self-care that you showed in. I'm holding on to my thumb. And just kind of recognizing yeah. that naming moment. It. I just naming yeah. it, it sounds naming like it. that sounds to me like you have a connection to yourself that you yes. didn't have in the time that was the chaos. And that just must feel 
ultimately so much better. Yeah. You yes. know? Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. just a strong, healthy relationship with yeah. yourself. Like the way, the way that you speak, the way that you talk about yourself and kind of to yourself, it's very much like the ideal kind of nurturing parent would be to a child. Yeah. You know? So like yeah. what a strong yeah. loving relationship. Be. Yeah. It has yeah. to be. It's so hard yeah. one. See, that's the thing about mental health. Sometimes it's a very hard won battle, but it's mm-hmm. so worth it. Yes. yes. Every single thing. Allison, you're like amazing. Like amazing. I'm really energized by this conversation. And I'm so glad okay. that you came on the show today. But before we wrap up, because we're already close to the end, I want people to know how, because especially young women, queer kids, anybody mm-hmm. who feels like the disconnect between who I am really inside and yes. who what everybody's expecting of me exactly. kind mm-hmm. of needs to be a part of this conversation. Can you tell us real quick, what's the name of your book and how can people access it online? Yes. So my book is called Mind Body Movement. It is a seven-step guide to heal your body and improve your mental health. And it's designed to help you literally step-by-step learn how to build awareness of your body and to listen Mm. and then to learn and understand the patterns, the stories, the experiences, the stress, all of the different things that might be stored in your body. Mm. And then it also helps you learn how to speak and start sharing your story, how you communicate, how you move through the world. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. There are tons of techniques. Can you give us one, a real quick one for our listeners right now, a technique about Uh, kind of checking in with yourself? Sure. I think something that, um, is, is maybe easy to explain. And by the way, when you buy the book, it comes with a seven day video course. So you can actually practice the skills. Um, but the, one of the first ones because we kind of have to reintroduce ourselves to our our body Mm -hmm. um, is simply to follow what you might hear a a meditation talking about when they say, do a body scan and they'll invite you to bring attention and awareness to your head or to your feet. Well, you can do that, but add some physicality to it and just start to explore head to toe. How does this body part move? And as I move it in different directions, can I feel what's going on inside, such as what muscles am I using? Is there some tension in this area that I didn't realize I was holding on to? And so you can scan from head to toe and it, it does help you become aware of your body, but it also can be a calming tool as well. Mm. Um, but just for folks who might be storing a lot, sometimes bringing awareness can actually be anxiety provoking. So mm, the yeah. book also talks about how you can approach different experiences in a way that feels safe. It feels comfortable, mm-hmm. feels manageable. There are even like, you know, things to do. If you feel triggered by something, there's a oh, trigger yeah. response exercise. Wow. Um, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's about like, and kind of like obs- observing while also recognizing that there will be judgment that will come up along the way and to kind of set that aside so that you can non-judgmentally observe. Right. Or you could get a massage and have somebody make you cry like I did. (laughs) Or you could check in with your body by falling into a lake. Um, uh, Oh, wait, don't forget. uh, My producer's saying, don't forget to mention the 30-day free trial. Yeah. So um, for your listeners, I would love to offer 30 days free on our platform, Movement Genius. Mm -hmm. And you can take all of the different classes. There are 10-minute classes that you can do at your desk 
whether it's at work or at school, um, just to help reset your mind and body. There are, you know, five minute resets, 45 minute open movement classes Mm -hmm. and a bunch of different instructors of all different embodiments and um, would love to have you. So you can do 30 days free at Movement Genius. And then with that comes my book already. So we'll give you a little. That's so sweet. People are going to need this over the holiday. People are going to. The link will be in the show notes. So everybody can take a peek there and uh, get access to it. We always end the show with a hot message. Um, for people, you know, because it's the hot mess. So we end with a hot message. Get it? So um, (laughs) I'm such a fan, and now I'm an even bigger fan. I love talking to you today. So if um, we always say, like, because we want to take all the things that you've talked about today and and apply them in our lives. How can we apply this in our lives? So if there's somebody who's feeling, I think so much today, Matthew, was about feeling disconnected Mm -hmm. from who you are. Mm -hmm. If there's somebody out there who's feeling like, you know, on a like what you said, that sounded so scary, not being able to name what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. If there's, uh, how how can, what would your hot message be to somebody who's feeling a little disconnected from who they are or what they're feeling? Yes. So first I want to say it is completely understandable and there are so many reasons you may feel disconnected or uncomfortable in your own skin. Mm. And all that said, you deserve to feel safe comfortable and confident in your mind and body. Like you're working with yourself and not Mm. against yourself. And that opportunity is available. And this is sort of a separate mantra. um, That is just something that's on my mind that I want to share. Sometimes it helps me when I'm learning to reconnect with myself. Um, I use the statement, seek first to understand before expecting to be understood. Mm. And sometimes my mind already has a story, but my body needs me first to listen to it and try to understand what it's saying. Our mind and body don't always speak the same language, right? Mm -hmm. Your body doesn't always use logic. Some of that stress or trauma is stored in nonverbal areas of the body. Uh That's where movement and allowing yourself to feel in terms of sensation, not just language can help you understand. So Perhaps as you're reconnecting with your body, allow your mind to try and understand your body, and then you can start bridging that gap of communication. Oh my God, mm. I got to take this class. Now I'm holding out of my thumb. <laughs> I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm feeling exposed. Thank you so much. Where can yes, people find you on you. your socials? You're amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Follow me. It's just my name, Allison Stoner, A-L-Y-S-O-N. And you know how to spell the last name. <laughs> yeah, Stoner. You have so many followers. Your Instagram is like, woohoo. Um, it's wild. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, Thanks Allison. So grateful. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wow, Matthew. Uh, I did not expect that. 
I I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what I, to expect. I didn't expect wow, this that. This is great. This is great. That was really really great. Yeah. I you know it just her journey of like it just made me think because we talked so much on this show about like kind of like how we're conditioned as kids to like be perfect as queer yes. kids as people yes. who are different the kind of thing you know that the expectation is on you all the time. What do I yeah. need to be? And that really disconnects you from who you what you're feeling and what's going yeah, on inside for sure yeah all kinds of life experiences cultural experiences the kind of bullshit that has us kind of detached from who we are more authentically and invest maybe a little bit more into the things that we think other people want from us and what we right. can kind of project out or how we can perform in a way that it really creates this great divide between you know kind of like who we really are and um, how we express yeah. ourselves so yeah yeah is that your hot message i guess so i don't know Follow Allison Stoner. Follow <laughs> That's Allison my hot Stoner. message. That my hot message is you can't give what you don't have. Yeah, I just very remember true. I did stand up for nonstop. Uh, this was uh, before I had a kid. Two years. And after two years, and I was on the road, I was doing shows nonstop. I was getting a lot of praise and everything. Mm. And then I would just burnt out. I was just kind of like, I feel, I want to go home. I want to, I don't want to do this. I and and my my therapist said the well is dry. Yeah. The well is dry. You don't, you, you're kind of like, you're not, you're just giving people rocks. Yeah. You gotta, and I was not taking care of myself. I was not checking in with myself. So I'm going to piggyback on what Allison said is that you're worth it. Yeah, checking for in sure. with yourself is you deserve to feel good. Yeah. You know what? I, I think I want to throw one other thing out there. I think okay. that, you know, especially when we're talking about rewriting narratives, right. Mm -hmm. So that we then can build a healthier relationship with ourselves. It's important to know what that narrative is and to like have the context for it you know seek for to us, understand seek to understand to, yeah. to, to go back and to kind of understand a little bit maybe what the experiences are that we have this is very much the therapy the kind of like you know cliche therapist in me to go back and kind of understand a bit of where you've come from so mm. that you then can have compassion for that child and yeah. be able to start reworking some of that yeah it's ongoing yeah it's ongoing where can people find you on your socials big boy <laughs> you can find me at mj dempsey psych on instagram i think that's where i'm gonna leave it i'm not using twitter and will Facebook you anymore. post a picture of you after it's soaking wet after the uh, thing just kind of i, 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 I put that. it on my stories it was on for 24 hours <laughs> did you miss it you're not following me i may have every missed hour it. you can find me on my socials at facebook twitter instagram you can also find us both at the hot mess pod on instagram we love hearing from you this is a mental health podcast we just want to normalize this conversation and have fun we're so grateful don't forget to download and subscribe and if you mm -hmm. tune in next week we'll have more hot mess fun we'll see you then bye bye everybody this has been a stage 29 podcast production the podcast is executive produced by patty chiano lafern cusack and stephanie Kaysen. our audio editors are jackson ruff and jonathan dematty Callie Kelts is the social media producer, and a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.